Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, it's so nice to be here, and uh, I I have thoroughly enjoyed the the worship service. It seemed to me that people were very you were very intense about worshiping the Lord and praising God. Amen. This is a this is a lovely church, not. Not this. Uh, the building is beautiful and fine, but there's a <clears throat> there's a feeling that this is uh, just a great church, amen. And uh, from all I've heard, uh, that is the case. Everyone that that I know that uh, comes to visit you uh, enjoy so much being here. And uh, brother Tuminella, he can't say enough good about the church and the pastor and uh, we uh, look forward to being here uh, we was here a thousand years ago in Houston and uh, I liked it when it was just 50 million now there's two or three hundred million I don't like it it's a I can't get around I Somebody's put something everywhere there was a piece of ground. And uh, it's just, uh, I'm sure that you're used to it. You can get set down in the middle of a place and and uh, you just get used to it. And it gets to be home and, and I understand that. But until you do get that place, you have a little problem with it. Um, Pastor, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. My wife had a little accident. She uh, fell the other night and uh, fell on her face. And she's not, she's just not feeling real good. And um, <laughs> I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't do it. <laughs> I don't care what anybody said. But <laughs> you know, uh, I guess one reason why uh, I uh, kind of go back to my roots uh, on, on all this big city business. We had a little town, Heinston, Louisiana. It uh, there wasn't a hundred people there, I don't think, and I didn't live in town. <laughs> I lived out in the country, and the closest we ever come to having heavy industry was a three hundred pound Avon lady. So <laughs> that's as, that's as good as we can do. <laughs> you know, my wife saw a bumper sticker the other day that said, um, in case of the rapture, this car might swerve. My mother-in-law will be taking the wheel. <laughs> mother-in-law wasn't going, was she? <laughs> I'll give some of you some ammunition to get get in trouble with. <laughs> Well, now I found out really where you are. 
you weren't quite as serious as I thought you might be going going to be. <laughs> we have, uh, I need to make an announcement, uh, a little uh, commercial about the books out in the foyer. Uh, I don't really know how many I've written. Uh, wife says 30-something, and she's written about 10 or 11. Now, my wife has written mysteries, romance, mystery, intrigue. The other day, I uh, uh, we was somewhere where we didn't have anything to read, and I picked her up her book, Camilla. I believe that's, yeah, Camilla. And I just said, well, I'll just read Joan's book. I got so intense in reading that book. She had that woman in so much trouble. <laughs> and I said, Joan. When do you let up? Oh, it'll be all right. Keep reading. Keep reading. And so, well, what happened? I'm not telling you what happened. So I said, and, and, and so I just kept reading and, and kept reading. And she got more tangled up and more intense. And I said, Joan, I got more troubles of my own than this. What's going on here? You know, so anyway, um, if, if her, her books are like that and they're out there. Then uh, I also, I have, and I want to say that to get this off, if you don't buy but, any, but one book, and I, it's the book that I've written called Doctrine Does Matter. I will not take the time. I know I don't have the time. Now, folks, I have to give this commercial. That's all I have to do. I just, and that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to preach. But i got to give it if I'm going to sell the book. You won't know what to do with it. And so... Uh, uh, the doctrine does matter has won it's winning people every day of the year I get calls constantly and uh, everywhere I go I just won one man said I won 30 something people and another place a man said won 40 something people baptized them I got a call going down the road the other day and uh, <clears throat> the pastor said brother Marla I got a man that's got cancer he's in the Hospital. He knows nothing about Pentecost. He said, "Would you, would you overnight me a book?" I over. He said, "He'll never get out of the hospital." I overnighted him a book, and he gave it to the man to read. And he called me in just a few days and said, "Brother Marla, the man read your book, got up, got baptized, got the Holy Ghost." <laughs> Even and said, "We have already buried him." Well. And it's just things like that. I, I, get, there was, I was preaching in Vero Beach, Florida, and there was two, two rows of people came in, uh, Trinitarian Pentecostals. They came in and sat down. They were nice people. And uh, I gave them a book. And the pastor called me two weeks later and said, Brother Marley, you remember those folks that came in? So, yeah. He said, they just called the main, the man that's the head of the family. Just called said, every one of us is coming to be baptized because they read the book. Every one of them. Amen. So, so that's, that's that. I have one other pretty serious book that's called Some Folks I've Met in the Bible. It's, uh, it's Bible Character Studies. I talk to the Bible characters and have them talking back to me and ask them questions and so forth and this and that. And that's the way I approach on it. But 
I have westerns. Uh, most of my books are westerns. And uh, a little Yankee-like, sweet-voiced lady came up to me the other day, and she said, Brother Marler, said those uh, westerns, they do have a religious tint to them, don't they? I said, no, ma'am, we just shoot them and leave them in the woods. <laughs> That's the best you can do with a western. It's hard to get cowboys prayed through. And uh, so that's what that is. My newest book is uh, Wagon Tracks in the Sand. I just got it. And now there's a few misspelled words in there because the printer jumped the gun on printing it. And there's no extra charge for that at all. And I have in my room a, play, a way to put it on a charge card, but that won't do any good here. Uh, I'll bring it tonight, but uh, I forgot it. And uh, now I have, and I'm, then I'm going on. I have uh, three tapes. Or now my wife corrected me. If she corrects me. I say tapes. She says, "Honey, don't say tapes." I said, "Well, it's CDs." I said, "Well, I just got used to not saying eight track." This is about as far in as centuries as I can go. But anyway, I got some CDs. One of them called You Drive, I'll Talk. And the other's called Keep Driving, I'm Still Talking. And the third one is I'm Never Going to Shut Up. And so that, that's it right there. And so I don't know. I hate to give that commercial, but I know that I have to. Uh, if you'll stand, we'll, we'll, we'll look at Mark, the 14th chapter. Mark 14, 13. You know, uh, my my wife may get to come to church tonight. I hope so. Um, she uh, wasn't able to go to church in way down in Louisiana somewhere not long ago. And I told him, I said, now, my wife might get to come to church tonight. You will recognize her. She's about 38, and she's blonde. And... Uh, so when she came in, they started coming over to me and said, where's the blonde? I said, that's my mother. No, I said, that's my sister. That's my sister. But anyway, they knew better. But you'll know her with a shiner, I guarantee you that. Mark 14, 13. And he sent forth two of his disciples and said unto them, Go ye into the city, and there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wheresoever he shall go in, say ye to the good man of the house, the master saith, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? 
And he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. God bless you. You may be seated. And I, I would like to speak to you this morning by the Lord's help. Uh, I don't usually preach too long. Don't worry about it. might get to a place you seem like I'm going to. But <laughs> one good thing, I just have one closing. So that that helps. So <laughs> uh, I want to preach on the subject here. Alignment. Alignment. It was Syrian spring, and the doves were cooing in the trees of Olivet. Flowers were blooming along the mountain slopes. There were tents of all over all the countryside. Some of them were white tents, and some of them were black. And it just all was from whatever section of the country they were, whether the tents were white or whether they were black. There were streams of people, over 200,000 people coming in and through because it was the feast of the Passover. There were flocks of sheep, several hundred thousand sheep, because there were dealers, dealers everywhere, everywhere the Jews were buying sheep to uh, offer sacrifices. It, it, was a, it was a festive week. It was not just uh, a serious and just religion, but there was a lot of festivity uh, intermingled into it. There was an odor that was prevalent. And, uh, it was an odor like a, a, we'd know of a slaughterhouse. Uh, because of the sacrifices that were being killed. It uh, prefigured or reminded of the brazen altar. And the brazen altar, of course, in the tabernacle represented repentance. Now, folks, uh, repentance, repentance is something that we, we want to be careful not to lose. It seems that a lot of time folks just want to get <coughs> folks in and see how quick they can have them speaking in tongues and, and uh, in order to kind of count and thumbs up and all of that, but to the truth of it is, the truth of it is, if a person don't repent, they don't clean out the, the, the spiritual temple. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And in order for the Holy Ghost to come in, we have to be clean. 
Thank God. And then we have to die out. We have to die. And, and sometimes, sometimes it's really not a, a good sight, a beautiful sight. And I think that's sometimes the reason we skip it. Sometimes people's hair gets messed up and they, they, get, they get sweat in. Sometimes, sometimes they get down to where they have to just weep and cry out to God and, and confess. But, oh, that's a part of it. That's what keeps people living for God. Thank God after they get the rest of it is because they're not seeing how much of it the world that they can keep, but they want to know how much they need to get rid of, and they have to get ready to get rid of it. Well, then there was also another odor that was prevalent, prevalent there, and that was the... Uh, Altar of incense. Now you remember whenever you, whenever you come into the, the tabernacle, and you came by the brazen altar, and you came by the laver of water, and then you came on inside the tabernacle. To the right was the table of showbread, and to the left was the golden candlesticks with the oil running through representing the Holy Ghost and the lights burning. Uh, the, that's what you saw. But right ahead was the table that held the altar, held the incense. And uh, that incense represented praise. And that incense came into the tabernacle and it did away with and destroyed all the old scents and odors out there at the slaughterhouse. Amen. And, 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 and it was just there representing praise. You know, the, there's nothing like praise. Nothing like praise of the Lord. We, we need to learn to praise Him all the time, all day, all day long. Praise God. Have a praise in our hearts. You know, they didn't just come in and throw a chunk of incense on the altar and say, I ought to hold it for a week. Amen. They sprinkled it, and they did that all through the day. They sprinkled the incense Thank God. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah, we, we take our prayer hours and we have our fast days. But I'll tell you, there's nothing like just praising the Lord. Amen. I, I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and first thing I say is praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. When you wake up in the morning, it's praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I was in the restroom not long ago in a big hotel, and I just had washed my hands and fixing to throw the towels in that little hole there. And I said, oh, I love you, Jesus. Man looked at me and said, sir. 
I didn't see him. I didn't say nothing. I didn't know what to say. I just walked out. <laughs> my mother used to my mother used to be working around. She did everything from working in the field to canning to to cooking and all of that. When we'd be around in the house and us three boys and her and all of a sudden she'd say, ah, I love you, Jesus. And Lay everything down and start praising the Lord. I said, Mama, do, we said, Mama, do you, we want you to pray, but do you have to scare us to death? Well, I don't, I don't think about it. <laughs> hey, God. Oh, hallelujah. You know, I got a feeling that if we keep a prayer in our heart, it'll make us want to go to heaven. It'll make us want to keep on wanting to go to heaven. Hallelujah. If we have, if we keep a praise in our heart, the service that we had Sunday night would just keep on going with us all we long. Praise God. Just praising Him. Praising Him. Praise God. Well, but there was one. There was one who, who, who had no tent. There was one who had no tent. And the Bible tells us that he, he stayed out with Mary, Martha, Lazarus out at Bethany. And that was two miles out from the city. So Thursday it was. All day long at Bethany, Jesus spent the last day in the flesh. Tomorrow was it. I wonder what did he think? What did he think that day? And you know what I I came up with? He was thinking of us. He was thinking of us. He didn't want to die because he was human enough not to want to die. But he had to die because he wasn't just thinking of the first church. He wasn't just thinking of those through the Middle Ages. He was thinking of you and I this morning. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, he's ever mindful of us. Oh, it makes us to realize when he talks about not a sparrow falls to the ground that he don't see. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. I feel the power of God. I feel him here. Praise God. Oh, Lord. God. Thank you so much, God. Then he said, I believe it was to Peter and John. He said, go get a place for us to eat the Passover. 
there must have been surely a, a look of where in their eyes. And he said, okay, you go into town, and when you see a man with a pitcher of water, you follow him. Well, they went into town, and that morning, uh, somebody had gotten up and filled a pitcher and said, I need to take this water with me today. You see, it all had to line up. It all had to just line up. And so they were in their place right where they ought to be. And the Lord had the man just right where he ought to be. And they said, there he is. There he is. And without him probably knowing it, they took in behind him and followed the man with a pitcher of water. And when they got to the house, they asked the good man of the house, where could they have the supper? The master had need of it. And they took them to the upper room. And there it was. What I really, I guess, my main thrust this morning in my thinking is the will of God. The will of God. The will of God. Oh, I want the will of God. We used to always say, somebody said, when are you coming? I'm, well, I'm going to come Thursday if it's the Lord's will. Everything we do is if it's the Lord's will. Amen. We want to stay in the will of God. <clears throat> Abraham, it got time for Isaac to find a wife, and he called Eleazar his servant. And he told him, he said, I, I want you to go back to my home place. I want a, a wife for my people. I want you to go back. And he said, when you get there, there'll be a maid drawing water. Do you realize that they got on those camels and rode 450 miles? And just as they got there that evening, Rebecca came out and said, I'll draw water for you and for your camels also. That's how things have to line up. But if we keep the will of God, if we stay in the will of God, things will line up. A lot of times 
when things not going right is because we wasn't where we ought to have been at the right time. <laughs> it was because we hadn't really got our hearts and keep our hearts in tune where they should be. Now, uh, when I was in Dallas, built a church in Dallas, one night we were having church service, and everything was, was having a great service, and all of a sudden a, a red-faced, short, red-faced man ran in, burst in the door, turned left down the aisle, screaming and praying and fell in the altar. He didn't ask us nothing. Kiss my foot, nothing. He just did it. <laughs> We're having church. And he prayed until he started talking in tongues, and he talked in tongues as long as he wanted to and didn't ask nobody nothing. And so when I, we got through, he he stood and I asked him to testify and he said, Brother Marley said, I've been to this church one time and I didn't want any part of it. And he said, I was up in Indiana and he said, God spoke to me and said, this is your last call. You get to the church in Dallas as quick as you can. And he said, I'll only stop for gas and restroom here. And well, but now let me go a little bit. Let me digress just a little bit. When we got there to build a church, we had $360. That's all we had. Everything we had was in our car, and we didn't know anybody. Well, there was a piece of land there that we really wanted after we'd been there for few weeks we saw that old piece of land it, it was nice stuff on every side of it it was ex ever all the land around it was expensive but uh that, they used that land put old christmas trees and trash and stuff like that and i wanted it so finally one day there was a sign for sale and i called and it said it takes seven thousand dollars for it well, I talked an insurance company into to putting up the money, buying the land, and build the building. And so we got our plans submitted to the city. And, of course, you never like, you, it takes a long time to get the plans approved. One day after many weeks, they called me and said, come get your plans. They're ready. And, and I walked in, and I got that little long roll of plans. The lady said, uh, Reverend, said the, the main person here would like to talk to you if you have time. I said, sure. Winnie and I never seen such a, a office building and, and, and carpet and mahogany and all kind of exotic animals, heads all over and, I said, and he said, Reverend, I didn't have to do it, but he said, I just kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit. He said, when you bought that land, see, it was, he said, it was worthless. He said, for many years, people have submitted plans to build on that property. 
and the city would not let them. The committee would not allow it. They even brought attorneys to try to budge the committee, and the committee would not budge from it. But said, when you bought that property within two weeks, one night, at a meeting, somebody stood up and said, why don't we release that property over on 9606 La Prada Drive? That's alignment. That's alignment. So what I'm saying is, Brother Seward running in from Indiana to pray. If everything had lined up right, he wouldn't have had a place to run into to pray. Been no church, been no altar. God has it all in hand, folks. He has it all in hand. If we could just get real close to him and stay right there. We can't drag our feet. <laughs> we can't follow from afar. We need to be right up at him all the time. Amen. Praise God. Oh, yes, Lord. We went, we went to visit a, a knock on doors and we met a Miss Davis. And Miss Davis was nice to us. Now, if you're gonna, if you don't want Pentecostal people to come back, don't be nice to them. And so she was so sweet and nice, and we kept going every week. We kept going. Finally, she got to the place she didn't want us to come, and she wouldn't answer the door. And we knew she was there. Which sat down on the steps and write long letters, <laughs> put them up on the door. And uh, finally one day, finally one day we got there and knocked on the door. And she said, all right, come on in. I give up. And she got, came in and God wonderfully filled her with the Holy Ghost. We baptized her in Jesus' name. And the doctor told her in two weeks, is you have cancer in maybe six months. And I remember the last night, that the, the night she died, she called for me and said, I want to see Brother Marler alone. I went in and she said, Brother Marler, I don't know what kind of a place I'd have in heaven. I said, uh, I've lived for the devil all my life and I've just been in the church a little while. And I explained to her about the... Uh, uh, man, it was the people was hired for a penny a day, and the people in the evening got the same as those in the morning, and she felt better about it. And then she said, looked at me, and she said, Brother Marler, this church was just built for me. And said, I was just scratching at the door. What if there had been no door to scratch? What if I had not answered God and put everything in my car that I own, including my little girl, and gone to Dallas? $360. 
what had to line up to get you saved? Oh, somebody had to be in the right place at the right time. Has to line up. You know, one of the first things electricians are taught to tell me is that don't ever hold a piece of wire in your hand even though it's attached to nothing. If you get under the power source, another wire because when you get it exactly parallel under that wire, the electricity is going to come down into that wire that you're holding in your hand. And I see the power source over above us. <laughs> and I want us to line up right under it. Praise God. Though we have no big genealogy, though we have no big bank account, though, though we may not have this or that, but if we can just get under the power and, and, and stay lined up perfectly parallel under Him, praise God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. When I first started evangelizing, my wife and I, we'd just been married. And we was coming off East Texas and those hills over there in East Texas going to another revival, and all of a sudden I come to the bottom of a hill and I stopped and I pulled all to the side. She said, what you stopping for? I said, I just don't know. I really don't know. I just know all I know is I felt like stopping. And so we sat there for a little while, and I got to, I got to feeling better, and I just pulled up over the hill, and there's some of the awfulest wreck that 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 the road was strewn with wreckage. But God let me know. Everything is lining up. <laughs> now Bear with me. I'm just doing it a little different this morning. Bear with me. I don't mean to be just going back in the old days. At least I know I'm doing it. Most people, 77, don't recognize that they're doing it. But I mean to do it. Uh, one good thing about all time is you keep meeting new friends. I, uh, I'll hurry with the story, but the first church I pastored, I didn't want to pastor it. The superintendent, Brother Weeks, asked me would I go pastor it, and I said, no, sir, I'm enjoying evangelizing. He said, well, would you just take it for till we could get a pastor? Well, that's a trick out of the old bag. I didn't know it. And so... Anyway, I had to stay up there a while, long enough to get the outside toilet brought in and the things like that. And so, to be honest with you, my wife and I got starving to death. It was kind of a slow, gradual thing. 
all of a sudden we didn't have anything. And we had two beagle puppies, little beagle puppies. We just loved them, and they loved us. But the marshal wanted those puppies. And I said, no, they're our dogs. Finally, I told Joan one morning, I said, Joan, he said he'd give us $50 a piece for us. Well, that was a lot of money, folks. And so I told John one morning, I said, Pat and Mike's got to go. She said, well, whatever, whatever, whatever. That's what she always does. And so I called the marshal. I said, marshal, if you want these dogs, you better get up here and get them and get them. And don't talk to me. Don't do that. Just hand me the money and take the dogs. I don't want to visit. I want you to get them out. I saw those little dogs looking out the back window, and I can still see them. As they looked out the back window at me. I was walking in the house with a hundred dollars. And the Lord spoke to me, there's a there's a man that we knew that needed to go to the hospital but didn't have the money. Give that money to Brother Brady. I walked in, I said, Joan, we gotta give this hundred dollars to Brother Brady. She said, Whatever, whatever. Was I had at least had a chance. I said, Lord, she don't want to, you know, so but give him, send him the hundred dollars. Well, they got a pastor up there, and we started back evangelizing, and we got in Little Rock, Arkansas. And ran out of gas, didn't have a penny, no plastic, no nothing, didn't have nothing. Now, Arkansas is not a place you want to be broke in. They used to receive care packages from Mississippi. And so here we were. And my brother, that was supposed to be six hours away, drove in right the place we were at. He stopped, and we talked. I never asked him for any money. I would now. I don't know what kind of little thing I had in my mind whenever I didn't ask him for nothing. But I didn't ask him for nothing. He got in his car and started to leave, and we got in our car. I don't know what we're going to do. That's all we, all we had. And all of a sudden, he put on his brakes, and I saw him start backing up, backing up. And he got back and got out of his car and pulled out his wallet, had a $100 bill. He said, oh, yes, I've had this for three months, he said, Brother Brady said, the next time you see O.C., give him this $100. Alignment. Alignment. Praise God. Oh, God, just give us your will. That's what, that's what we want is your will. Praise God. Oh. 
So this is why the disciples, you know, it just they met to have this supper. And I tell you what, if you ever want to just spank some disciples, you'd want to spank them. They said, Lord, who's going to be greatest in the kingdom? My goodness. You know, he had, when they got in there, Jesus stooped down and washed every one of them's feet. And now they're worrying about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of God. Somebody said, I, I don't have anything to do. I, I, well, what they mean is they don't have the talent to sing. They don't have, and they don't maybe have a call to the ministry. Then, hey, I'm going to tell you, just everybody's got a place. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. And there's no big eyes and no little news because we all come at the foot of the cross. Every one of us had dirty feet and hearts. So Judas, you see, they had the common bowl there that they dipped their sop in. They dipped their bread in, this little gravy-like substance, and they all dipped in the same dish. And all of a sudden, there was two hands in the dish. And the Lord had made the proclamation, one of you is going to betray me. It went around the tables. They said, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? I'm almost through now. Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. They didn't do wrong there. They did right there. Hey, God. It's, we don't want to say, it's my brother. It's my sister. They know it's me. Lord, God. Lord, don't. I'm not going to point my finger at somebody else. I'm going to have to point my finger at myself. Amen. If nobody else makes it to heaven, I gotta make it. I gotta do right. I gotta have the right spirit. I've got to have the right attitude. I've gotta be the, at church the way I ought to be. I've gotta praise. I gotta clap. I gotta back the preacher. I have to go to prayer meeting. Praise God. Lord, is it I? But Jesus said, it is he that dippeth with me in the dish. Judas' hand was in the dish, and no doubt it turned white, and he pulled it back. And the Lord said to him, probably in a lower voice, whatever you do, do quickly. And Judas left and went out, and it was night. And I don't think it was talking about the inky blackness of darkness, but they were talking about the blackness and the darkness of the human soul. Oh, I want to tell you something. You're thinking about leaving this church. If you're thinking about getting out of the church, I want you to know it's dark and dismal and dull and scary out there. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Jesus has a table spread 
where the saints of God are fed. He invites his chosen people, come and dine. This old manna he does feed to supply every need. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Don't get disaligned. Stay aligned. We are living at the moment of truth. If there was ever, there was never supposed to be a time to be slack or to play around. But I'm going to tell you that day, if there ever was one, it's over. Amen. It's all winding up now. It's all winding up now. And you better, we better be aligned. We better be aligned. He's coming in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. And my Bible says he's coming after those who are looking for his appearance. Praise God.